What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Don't be silly. Listen, this is very important. I forgot my video camera. Can you stop by my place and pick it up on your way to the mall? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I'm away. my latest experiment. This is a big one, the one I've been waiting for all my life. Ah, uh, well, it's a DeLorean, right? Stay with what me, Marty. All your questions will be answered. Roll yeah. tape. Okay. And we'll proceed. Ah, uh, Doc. All right. Is that a Devo? Never mind that now. Never mind that now. Right. Not now. Stepping away, and there's a there's a car headed our way, Doc. You understand? And Doc's like, 
He gives him that look like, what are you doing? Why are you moving? Come on back over here. Because he sometimes, see, Doc in this case is actually a visionary. He, he came up with a new invention, a time machine. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. We're going to talk about vision and God's vision for our own lives. For those of you tuning online, let me go ahead and introduce myself. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church here in Jackson, Missouri. We thank you for tuning online. But what we want to do is invite you to come and join us next week at 381 East Deerwood Drive here in Jackson, Missouri, the Jackson Civic Center, and be a part of what God is doing here in Jackson, Missouri. Those of you here, welcome. I hope you had a great week, and we are going to be talking about, we're going to have some fun this summer, all right? And that was just the first bit of fun. We're going to be talking about Back to the Future. Now, what do we mean by Back to the Future? Back to the Future, you know, we know it was a movie. It was about a time machine. They were trying to get Back to the Future in all the episodes, which we'll talk about later. But also, I think it's come time for the church to get back to the future. Us to get back to the future. What do we mean by future? I mean, God has given each and every one of us a vision for our lives. Now, vision is your future. So we need to get our focus back on what it is God has for our future. So that's why we took this Back to the Future title. We're going to be talking about vision today. For those of you that's tuned in, let me go ahead and read our key passage. It's in Habakkuk chapter 2. Verses 2 and 3. And you may know this if you've heard anything about vision. It's used quite often. It says this. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not Terry, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day, Lord. We thank you for those that are here, Lord, those that are tuning online, Lord. I ask that you be with me right now, that you speak your words through me. Don't let them be my own, Lord. I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to be hanging out in Nehemiah today. We're going to be in the Old Testament. For those of you tune in and are wanting to follow along in your Bible, if not, we'll have it on the screen for you. We're going to zero in on Nehemiah chapter 1, and we're going to talk a little bit about Back to the Future as we go throughout this message today. Nehemiah chapter 1, we're going to start out reading verses 2 to 4. It says, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. He's talking about those that survived being taken into bondage. They're now back in Jerusalem, and he's wanting to know what's going on. And, he, and also about Jerusalem. He was asking them about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So what's going on here? Well, at this time when, Bruce, when Jerusalem had been taken into bondage, we won't get into dates or anything today, but when they had been taken into bondage, the city was destroyed, the walls were destroyed, and back in this day, your walls were basically your best line of defense against enemies coming in and taking over your city. So at this point, Jerusalem has no walls. And Nehemiah is actually a cupbearer to the king. We're going to find out as the story goes. He's a cupbearer to the king. He brought the king his drink. He tasted the food before the king did. He was the one that made sure the king wasn't poisoned 
or anything like that. So he had a pretty high job, and he was pretty high up on the list. And he was, but here's where we want to start. First of all, that point number one is that a vision begins with a burden. What do you mean by that? A vision begins with a burden. What's going on in our scriptures that we just read? Basically, Nehemiah has asked some friends of his and brothers of his, how's it going in Jerusalem? And what they told him is that it's not going so great. They don't have walls. The city's in disgrace. It's all messed up. They need help. And at this point, if you read verse 4, he said, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So basically, it's bothering Nehemiah at this point. It's become a burden of what God is getting ready to have him do for Israel. So what, how, what does that have to do with Back to the Future? Well, first of all, we noticed that Doc Brown was excited to know that he finally invented something that works. I don't know how many of you have seen the movie Back to the Future, but there is a scene when Marty is in the 50s, 1955, trying to get back to the future, that the Doc was so excited. Once he finally believed Marty, Marty took him to the car. He showed him the flux capacitor, which is what makes time travel possible. He showed him that, and the Doc has this scene where he's like, it works! I finally invented something that works! And he was so excited. So, for all these years, remember, that was 30 years prior to that time machine actually being invented, but he was excited to know that he finally was going to invent something that works. So, because what, what happened was, he was a smart man. He was a genius. He had all these inventions that he had came up with, but he hadn't quite come up with something that works. Those of you that know the movie will know there was a scene when Marty, Marty shows up on his doorstep and starts knocking. And Doc's trying to read his mind with this machine he's invented, and it doesn't work. But here's the point is that vision starts as something that either breaks your heart or makes you mad. What do you mean by that? Well, some of the greatest things that happened. There was a group, a mother years ago, and the name I didn't write it down, but that had a daughter who was killed in a drunk driver accident. And she came up with this something called Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. Mad was the title of it. She was aggravated that nobody was doing anything about these drug drivers that were out here. And because of that, it shifted an entire nation. Let me talk about one that you may be more familiar with. There's a lady, her name was Rosa Parks. And she existed in a day where there was lots of racism, there was set, separate, there was separate, uh, and she sat on a bus in the front. She was tired after a hard day's work. And she started a ruckus that even led to Martin Luther King and those that came behind her. But what happened was somebody finally got mad enough and tired of the status quo that they decided they were going to make a difference. And they have. If you look over the years, we're not quite where we need to be yet, but we're working towards that. So these type of people that you know in history, Helen Keller, I believe it was. Those of you may be familiar with Helen Keller. She was diagnosed with a disease at the age, I think it was three, where she became both blind and deaf. But she said, and one of her quotes was, that it's a sad thing to be able to see and have no vision. What does she mean by that? Vision is something you're setting for yourself, a goal, the thing you're striving for. In this case, if we take our church, for example, it is a vision to revolutionize, to change Jackson, but not only Jackson, the United States and the world. We plan to take this thing worldwide, but it has to start somewhere. So it starts when you either get mad or something that breaks your heart. Maybe watching the video a minute ago when we talked about giving to feed my starving children. 
If something like that burdens you, whatever it is, when you look inside of you, whatever is burdening you, making you mad, that may be what God has called you to do to change this world. So don't write that stuff off. Let's go ahead and continue. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of the king, Artaxerxes, then wine was brought for him. And I took the wine and I gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you were not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. And I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when my city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins? And its gates have been destroyed by fire. Point number two, a vision becomes a part of you. A vision becomes part of you. It becomes your DNA. It becomes who you are. As a person, whatever it is, whatever it is God has called you. Remember, if we get back to Back to the Future, the movie, 30 years after he invented time travel, he finally got it to work. But for those 30 years, you can probably bet that he was working towards that goal. He probably had some mistakes, some things that happened, and but he finally got it to work. Why? Because he kept pushing forward because vision becomes a part of you. Let's check out what Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 to 35 says. It, may, it says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how could you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Check out verse 35. This is actually Jesus talking to the Pharisees. But verse 35, it says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. In other words, what's inside of you is what's going to come out when you get bumped. What do you mean by getting bumped? I don't mean somebody running into you and you bumping you. What I mean is when you go through those situations that's got you up tight and mad about something, your reaction if you've got vision inside of you, you believe the vision. So when you get cut, you believe the vision. Whatever it is. So that's where we're getting at. Jesus says, but what another way, this is this is the NIV translation, but another way you've heard that word it is, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That was another translation. So whatever's inside of us is what comes out. Now, if you are truly a visionary and God has given you a vision for your life, then it becomes a part of who you are. And you aren't satisfied until you see it come to pass. Moving on there, Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 4 to 6, it says, The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. And the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take? And when will you get back? And it pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Now, point number three is a vision has a date. This is the biggest difference between visionaries and dreamers. Dreamers are a dime a dozen. There's always people that are around dreaming about the way things could be or should be. And they sit around and talk about it, but they never do anything about it. Here's the difference. If you're a visionary... You envision yourself making a difference. 
It's not, well, this needs to be done and let's talk about it. It is, what can I do to make a difference? Let me give you an example. Maybe you're tired of people walking around uneducated, so you decided to become a teacher so that you can help these kids become more educated and help their education so they can go further along. That's just one example because you see, it's too many times in life, it seems like that the church is so busy protesting, cursing the darkness, that they're not lighting enough candles. Candles are that spark of hope. What is it that God has placed down deep inside of you that he wants you to do to make a difference? Because if you were here when Tasha spoke, if not, you can check that out online on our website. She talked about your piece matters. Your piece of the puzzle is what's going to bring this whole thing together. So what is it that you're supposed to be doing? What is your vision? So you should have a vision for not only the church and you come behind that, but your family as well. Your life. Where do you see it going? What direction are we headed? Where do you want your family to go? Because see, if you don't plan things out, you're never going to reach it. That's why, and we'll talk more about it in a second. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. But back up our key verse that we just talked about. Verse 3 said, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. A vision has a date. It's for an appointed time. But at the end, what did he say? It will speak. And it will not lie. Though it tarries, what does he say? This is the part we all hate, is the waiting period. He says, though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come, and it will not tarry. What's God saying? He's got, you have to prepare yourself. It's got an appointed time. There's a time. Now, maybe God has called you to evangelize the world. I know some evangelists that are doing that. They've been into several different countries. But... Maybe it's got, see, there's this thing called God's timing that we got to get right. Maybe God has, see, in this society, maybe you're a newlywed or you're a young family. Maybe you got a baby at home. I don't know. And you, you, your next thought is, how many diapers can I go through? How many bottles can I feed this kid? How much are they going to eat? This is the importance of God's timing. Yet you're saying, hey, you know what, Pastor? God has called me to be an evangelist, but maybe now is not the time to start an evangelical tour. Now, maybe it is, but you want to leave your family at home? No, no, no. See, there's a timing for everything. The Bible talks about seasons. There's a season. There are seasons we go through in life, things we go through. So God may give you what he wants you to do, but make sure you're in his timing because it may not be right now, but it does have a day on it. So here's what, how do we get that from back to the future? Well, if you remember, at the very beginning of this, when Marty got the phone call, before that in the movie, Doc Brown had told Marty to meet him at 1.15 a.m. at Twin Pines Mall. Now, we started our clip here with him waking up with a phone call. And Doc's like, hey, you didn't fall asleep, did you? See, I think too many people are falling asleep on what God's got for them, the timing. We missed the timing because we're still in bed. Not necessarily physically. But we're still in bed. We're, we're waiting. We're still waiting. So we lay there and we expect things to happen. Then we get that phone call that wakes us up. So Doc Brown said, hey, meet me at 115. I've made a major breakthrough. I need your assistance. Can you stop and get my camera? That's going to be important in our next point. Let's, let's go ahead and read there in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 7 to 8. It says, I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of trans-Euphrates, so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple 
and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because of the gracious hand of God, see what he does have right here in Nehemiah is that he's giving God the credit for what's happening. And we'll talk about it here in a second. Because the grace, gracious hand of God was with me, the king granted my request. Point number four, a vision has a plan. What's your plan? How are you going to get from point A to point B? Now, you don't need to worry about point Z down the road. You need to just worry about what are you going to take to get to the next step. So maybe God has given you the big picture. God has given me the big picture of what he's trying to do with this church. But we're not there yet. That's God's timing. We start things small, and we're going to work our way towards it. But understanding that timing, but what did he, he had a plan. So not only did the king give him permission to leave, but he begins to tell the king his plan. What did, the king said, what do you need? And he said, here's what I need. Can I get a letter to this guy so I can get free passage without having any issues? And can I have another letter to this guy who's going to give me the material I need to build this wall and these things going on? And the king granted his request, but without a plan, nothing ever happens. You ever noticed? Can I? I want to help you out this morning. If you will write it down, you will be surprised what you will accomplish. In your vision. Start writing your goals down. Now, maybe some of those goals are years out yet, but start writing them out. When, I, when we first started this ministry, some of you may have noticed back in November when we had our leadership meeting, I gave you a list of what we were planning to do in the next five years. Some of that stuff we had written out, some of it we've already accomplished, but some of it we haven't got to yet. But it gives us a direction. It gives us a guide. So there's got to be a plan. What was Doc's plan in the movie? Doc planned to send Einstein, which is the dog, one minute into the future to test his experiment. Now, I often wonder, this car is coming at them at 88 miles an hour. How did he know it was going to work? You ever wonder that? And did you notice, that I already talked about this at the beginning, but Marty's kind of started, hey, he started stepping to the side with that camera. Doc's like, no, 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 watch this. How did he know? See, this is why visionaries get this rep of being strange. <laughs> because nobody else can see what you see yet. All Marty saw was this car, a DeLorean, coming at him at 88 miles an hour. It was about to nail him, and he was going to be sidewalk. <laughs> Miss. But Doc saw what was getting ready to happen. He said, watch this. And at the moment, like so many feet before it hit him, the time machine zapped away and was gone. Now, if you watch the movie later, you recognize they kind of forgot because they were standing in the way when they were talking. He's like, wait, look out! And he pushes them out of the way, and here came the time machine back. But we didn't watch all of the movie. We don't have time for all that. We just plotted clips. Not to mention, though, a plan. Not to mention kind of what we talked about at the beginning. All the time it took to build the time machine. And he chose to do it with style. So that was a choice. And at this point in the movie, he's like, why not do it with style? With the DeLorean, which is a car that's actually coming back to the market. I started doing some research on DeLoreans, and I got more information than I wanted. But the company was alive for about five years, and then it shut down. And they've been bringing it back, I think, since around 2012. There's another man that owns it now. They're bringing them back. But he said, why not? If you're going to be right after his statement where he said, you built a time machine out of DeLorean when we ended on, Doc said, said where did I see it? If you're going to build a time machine, why not do it with some style? So he picked a sports car. That's all part of the plan. What was his plan to make past time? He used style. 
Luke 14, 28 to 30 says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, The man began to build and was not able to finish. That's what Jesus has to say about planning. How many of you are going to sit down to build a tower, but you're not going to plan out whether you got the stuff or the money to do it or the materials to do it first? There's got to be a plan. A vision has a plan. Nehemiah 2 9, as we're getting ready to wrap this up here shortly. So I went to the governor of Trans Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. And the king, check this out, the king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. In other words, he had an army with him. Point number five is. A vision from God always involves others. God's visions are too big for us to accomplish on our own. If you can accomplish it yourself, more likely it's not God. God's visions are beyond what we can comprehend. Now, it depends on the size of your vision, but it's always going to involve somebody helping you along. You can't do it all. You've got to have people to come alongside. I couldn't do what I do every Sunday morning without the people who help us set up, help us tear down, help us play music, run the PowerPoint. All of these things are involved with this ministry. So it takes others. You've got to involve others. So, so, so check it out. Check out what I got from the Back to the Future movie. Doc Brown got Marty involved as a cameraman. He said, I, I forgot my camera. Can you stop and pick it up? So his plan for Marty at that point was just to videotape the whole thing so he could talk about his discovery and what he had done. But eventually, if you watch the movie, he couldn't have time traveling without Marty. If you're familiar with Back to the Future, Doc got shot and was killed on the spot right after these scenes, shortly after. Marty went back in time, let his older self know that it was coming, and Doc ended up being alive to be able to time travel. That's what I meant by that. So if Marty hadn't went back in time, the doc would have died at the hands of the terrorists that shot him down right after the scenes you saw today. So it always takes other people. It's got to be other people involved. Other people help lift you up. You need other people in your life anyway that can encourage you, that can strengthen you as you're going day to day doing those things you do. Check out what verse 2, remember verse 2 of our key verse, it says, The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. What's it talking about? You write it down so that other people can see what it is God has told you to accomplish. So that they can run with it. In other words, so that they can take off and do it. They've all got gifts. They're involved with you. They've got gifts that God has given them. Now they can see your full vision and they can run with it. They can start doing things. They can start pulling people in, whatever it is that they're called to do. Serving in the house. We believe in serving in the house. That's what we believe as a church because it takes all of us working together to make a complete puzzle. So it always involves others. You're turning out there today. I, I realize this was just the beginning. Linda, you can go ahead and tell me we're going to pray to dismiss. I realize this is just the beginning. We're going to be talking about this for the next couple of weeks. But first of all, you've got to figure out what is it God has called me to do. God has a vision. You've got to have a vision for your family, for your church. Get behind whoever your church family is. If you're tuning online, you're not here. you got a church family. Whoever they are, you need to get on board with their vision. If you're needing a church home, we invite you to come out. I do that every week. Come out. Be a part of what God's doing here in
Jackson, Missouri. Because you need a church family. You need people to lean on. It's all about fellowship. It's all about connecting with people. Because only together can we make a difference. Only together can we change this world for the better. Our vision statement here at Next Level Freedom Church is reaching others where they're at. Where are they at in life? There are people that you meet on a day-to-day basis. You're listening there, you're listening here, that I may never talk to. But you talk to them. You may be their light for whatever it is that pulls them into the house. Whatever it is, people need to know they've got a Savior, they've got hope. We're going to continue this series next week. We're going to be talking about change. But right now, I want to take a moment and pause. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I always do this at the end of every service. Your first step before you even worry about vision is getting saved. You need to be saved. You need to be born again. And you can do that by simply asking. Say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death, and I might live. I ask you to come into my heart, be Lord of my life, forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. In your name I pray, amen. It's really that simple. It's called repenting. The Bible says we need to repent. It's an old military term that means about face. You're going one way, you want to turn and go another way. You need to go God's way. In order for you to accomplish that vision or that purpose that God has for your life, the only way you're going to do that is if you ignore your way and start walking in God's way because He knows what's best. I know you hear that from your parents growing up. They know what's best for you. God knows what's best for them. So see you next time. God knows what's best for your parents as well. So God wants to help you. He wants to see you accomplish whatever vision he has given you. And if he hasn't given you yet, just hang on. Don't get all aggravated and flustered about it. Just wait. God will tell you. If he's given it to you, I want to encourage you to walk in God's time. If you try to get ahead of God or you get behind God, it's not going to work the way it should. And then you may go on a whole detour. I'm speaking from experience. A detour to get back to where you were at. Follow God's timing, follow God's purpose. Next week, we're going to be continuing this series, Back to the Future, talking about change. I hope you'll tune with us next week if you're online. God bless. I thanks, thanks for tuning in.